The kids are dismissed quietly and slowly. We don't want anyone getting hurt this morning. Thank you, Jason and the worship team. Did you enjoy those throwbacks? I don't even think any of those songs were written when Luke was born. But he did a pretty good job, so thank you guys. Appreciate that. Well, good morning again. Um, for those of you that don't know me or may not have ever met me, my name is AJ. Uh, it's a privilege to meet you. Uh, it's a privilege to serve here at the church. And um, today we're going to talk a little bit about forgiveness. And we're going to look at Luke chapter 5. Um, so you can turn or scroll there. And as you're turning or scrolling, um, I'll tell you a couple stories. Little Philip was spending the weekend with his grandmother after a particularly long week at school. His grandmother decided to take him to the park on Saturday morning. It had been snowing all night and everything was beautiful. His grandmother commented, doesn't look like an artist painted this scenery. Did you know that God painted this just for you? Yes, replied Philip. God did it all and he did it left-handed. This confused his grandmother, so she asked him, what makes you say that God did this with his left hand? Well, said Philip, we learned at Sunday school last week that Jesus sits on God's right hand. Some of you will get that on the way home there. It's okay. <laughs> Here's a little prayer I dug up for us this morning. It says, dear Lord, so far I've done all right today. I haven't gossiped, I haven't lost my temper, I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or bitter, and I'm really happy about that. But in just a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed, and after that, I'm going to need a lot of help. Anybody relate to that? So I already kind of alluded to the, the throwback set there that Jason put together. I hope that you could relate to some of those songs. Maybe you had no idea um, what some of those songs were, but for a lot of us, that was our heart music. Maybe that was a time when you just came to the Lord. Maybe that was a time when God was really doing a deep work in your life. And maybe, possibly, that actually brought back some memories of the past. And maybe some of those memories were painful. And I'm just going to tell you right off the bat, this isn't a fluffy message today. We're going to get right into it deep. It might hurt a little bit. It might sting a little bit. But I believe that this is something that we all need to look at. We all need to learn more about. So as you can see, we've titled this message, Forgiveness Forever. But I believe this is a place where we've all been at one point or another in our lives. So today I want to look at some of the what about this subject. What is forgiveness? We're going to look at some of the how-tos of the forgiveness and some of the whys of forgiveness. But before we get into that, I have a word here that, that I want to share and for some of you, this might not make any sense, and that's okay. But I'm just going to take a step out and, and speak it out. And I believe that if it's for you, you'll receive it and you'll understand it. 
I just want to speak to those who are listening to yipping dogs. Now, I'm not talking about real dogs. This is more of a metaphor, okay? So bear with me, follow me on this. Some of you are hearing yipping dogs. These yappers might be causing you pain today. But these yipping dogs, they don't have any teeth. They can't do you any harm. They're toothless yappers. They can't harm you. They're just yipping and yakking and yipping in your ears. And they have no authority over you. They can't do you any damage. And they can't tear apart that which God has put together. So I just want to encourage you, if that's for you, just receive that in Jesus' name. Just put your hands up. I'm just going to pray a blessing over that. God, you know our hearts. And you know those around us that are trying to just be distractions and yippers and yappers. And God, I just speak healing and forgiveness today. That this word would just sink, sink deep into our spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So first we're going to define what forgiveness is. Like I said, we're going to look at the what's, the how's, and then the why's of this. So what is forgiveness? A very simple definition is to pardon an offender. The Greek word forgive literally means to let go. To let go. And letting go is a process. This isn't something that's very easy. There's all kinds of different degrees of hurting and wounding and pains. But forgiveness is a process. I believe it's a very misunderstood thing of the church. And I might expand some of your theologies today with some of this teaching. Part of forgiveness is to first acknowledge our emotions. I think if we're living and breathing today, we can say that we've been hurt. And probably we've hurt someone else in the process. Maybe not intentionally, but sometimes that's what happens. We're humans. And whether we like it or not, our emotions to this particular person or event that causes pain has actually affected our behavior. Another part of forgiveness is learning to release the emotions that have kept us bound up. I'm going to call this today a prison of pain. You might hear me refer to that a couple times as a prison of pain. Like the great theologian in the 1980s told us, his name was Michael J. Fox. He said, this is going to get heavy, Doc. This is going to get heavy today a little bit. But I believe without the word of God and the example of Jesus, forgiveness is impossible. It's absolutely impossible. Before we get to Luke, I want to read one scripture to you from Matthew. It says this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. The end. Let's go home right there. I'm not sure if we quite heard that. Let me, let me try this one more time. If you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
It's one of those easy to read, hard to do scriptures, right? I don't know if this side heard. It's easy. It's one of those easy to read, hard to do scriptures, right? I haven't lived as long as some of you here, but I've lived long enough to see hurt people, and I've lived long enough to know that hurt people actually hurt other people. If you're wounded, you might be wounding other people and not even know it. You might be carrying those wounds and just passing them on. And we've all been sinned against. Maybe by someone in the church. No. We're called to love each other, right? Christians would never hurt other Christians. It happens. You might be sitting there today thinking, but you have no idea my story. You have no idea what I've gone through. You have no idea the pain that I have, the hurt that I have, the abandonment that I felt. You're absolutely right. I don't know that. But God does. God knows your hurt. He knows your wounding. He knows your abandonment. He knows that pain that you're feeling. And personally, I am sick and tired of God's people being controlled by bitterness and hurt and suffering and abuse and abandonment. All those things are from hell, and they can go right back to hell where they belong. We're not called to be controlled by those things. And I believe that today starts a new beginning in our understanding of what forgiveness is and how to walk it out. If someone wrongs us, it's very carnal, it's very human to have a reaction of justice, right? Well, you hurt me, I just want to get you back. I want revenge. I want justice. That's our human flesh crying out for that. But we're part of this thing called the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is kind of upside down on some principles sometimes. So hopefully today we can learn through those things. I don't want to downplay your pain and your hurt. If you walked in here today with pain and hurt, it's okay to feel that way. God sees that pain. And he sees that hurt. And he wants to help you process through that pain. And God doesn't want us to stay there in that place of pain. He wants to restore, and he wants to heal, and bring us through that. So with that whole intro I just did, with all that talk about bitterness and hurt and pain, I have to ask one question today. You don't have to answer out loud. But I'm just wondering if you've ever offered forgiveness to someone without them asking for it. That might blow your theology. That might blow your mind a little bit. You think, no, I could never offer forgiveness to someone until they apologize to me. They're the ones that were wrong. They need to come to me and apologize. I would argue with that a little bit. And we're actually going to look at some examples So let's turn to that first passage there in Luke. 
Luke chapter 5, we're going to start at verse 17. One day Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. You got to love the Pharisees, don't you? <laughs> they mean so well, but their thinking is so messed up. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him to the house to lay before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Now, Picture you're the homeowner of this place. <laughs> I mean, I don't want rain coming through my roof. I don't know about you guys, but they, they start tearing a hole in the guy's roof. He's like, come on, man, what are you doing? Verse 20, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. There's that word. 21. The Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus knew what they were thinking. And he said, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Such a cool story. There's, there's so much in there we can draw out. But what I want us to see is that Jesus spoke forgiveness to this busted up, broken, paralyzed man before the man even asked for it. He forgive even before there was a request. What an example. We got to love the Pharisees, like I said. They had this weird thinking going on in their minds. The Pharisees were the highest teachers of the law at that point. And they thought they had Jesus this time. They're like, oh, we're going to get him this time. So they start asking these questions. Who is this man? Who is this man that he talks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins? Because our scrolls say, our writings say, no one can forgive sins except for God himself. But Jesus came to destroy all that law. He came to tear apart the, the curtain, the crucifixion, the resurrection. That's why he came for freedom. But the Pharisees always thought their thinking was correct. I love it when a new Jesus film comes out or, you know, some of you have probably seen the new series, The Chosen. I like it when those come out and they're scripturally accurate because it sharpens our ability to understand exactly what happened, exactly what a Pharisee was. We get to see into that picture and see the whole story of what it is, for what it, what it exactly was. And after watching The Chosen, for, for those of you that watched it, you kind of under, you get more of an understanding of what a Pharisee actually was, what they stood for. But Jesus' response, he was always asking questions. He kind of answered questions with questions. 
And that was to get them to think. See, they had a mindset that all they knew was their scrolls and the old law. But Jesus came to bring freedom. So in 23, he asked that question, what is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or say, get up and walk? Pretty cool. More importantly than the teaching or the healing part of this story, that we can once again see is how he offered forgiveness without any requirements. The man didn't really have to say a word. Jesus just offered that forgiveness freely. There's another example. When, when Peter came to Jesus and he was questioning him how many times, how many times that we should forgive? Was it the magic number three? Was it the biblical number seven? Jesus answered 77 times. A pretty good interpretation of that, how I see that, is that Jesus taught, he, he was teaching us to offer forgiveness without any limits. Kind of like the title, Forgiveness Forever. Let's look at another example uh, that Jesus gave us. Flip over a few chapters to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7, we're going to drop down, uh, start at 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now, when I read these stories, I like to picture what it would be like, right? So I'm sure this was a Sunday night. I'm absolutely convinced of it. I think they had a projector outside, and they had a big blow-up screen. They had Sunday night football on there. There was like the Chiefs and the Bills were playing each other. They were reclined at the table. Of course they weren't, but just try to get in the room when you read these stories. So 37, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. 39, when the Pharisees who had invited them saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, and that she is a sinner. Then Jesus goes into this whole teaching about um, forgiveness of debt, and he has a whole other passage about money and possessions. For our sake today, we're going to skip down to 44. So by this time in the story, the Bills have already scored four touchdowns. Mahomes is on the sideline, icing his ankle, right? No, just kidding. 44, then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? <laughs> so cool. He's talking about the woman, but he, he, or he turns towards the woman, but he's talking to Simon. Most of the people in the house were ignoring her. Like she didn't have a place there. 
But Jesus said, I came to your house. You did not even give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been, what's that word? Forgiven. As her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven, little loves little. Ouch. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Again, a different situation, a different setting, a different scenario. But I think we can learn pretty much the same things from this story. We can draw the same kind of conclusion and have similar takeaways. The subheading of this passage actually says, Jesus was anointed by a sinful woman. Yes. Again, Jesus spoke forgiveness and healing before the broken and sinful woman ever asked for it. He offered that forgiveness without any requirements, without any kind of request. He just poured out forgiveness. Jesus had never met the woman. This woman was defined as as having a lifestyle that was sinful. A woman that was rejected by the Pharisees and actually questioned by the disciples. If you read this account in Matthew, it actually says she wasted a whole bottle of perfume, like a whole year's worth of wages that she was pouring on Jesus. That was their interpretation of what she did. But this woman, it wasn't about her getting Bible-thumped. It wasn't about her saying a specific prayer. She said nothing. She said absolutely nothing. And Jesus still offered that forgiveness. She wasn't speaking in a proper tone. She wasn't saying a prayer with the Pharisees and all of their Christianese that they brought with them. She said nothing. I believe this encounter that she had with Jesus was a teaching moment to explain the simplicity of forgiveness and for us to know the power that forgiveness has and the freedom that it can bring. She also knew she had something of value. Like I said, that bottle of perfume was about one year's worth of wages. This was probably about the only thing that she had that was of any value. But she knew that she was coming to that house to encounter Jesus. So she took that whole bottle of perfume and poured it out. She knew that only Jesus could give her what she really needed. And that she could be set free from that prison of pain. As she wept and her tears fell to his feet, and in that moment she believed. She believed and Jesus forgave. 
A third example that's very familiar to us. So when Jesus was on the cross and that work that he did for us there. In the Gospel of Matthew, it says, when Jesus was on the cross, he was offered wine mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. Wine was a well-known painkiller. So was gall. Gall was a, a well-known painkiller. So they mixed those together, and they offered it up to Jesus. He took one sip of it, and he spit it out, and he said, I refuse to drink that. And I believe he did that because he wanted your pain to die with him. He wanted that wounding, that hurting that you're feeling, he wanted that to die with him on the cross. And he said, Father, forgive them. Who's them? It's all of us. It's not just the soldiers that drove the, hand, the nails through his hands. It's not just the crowd that he had so compassionately loved and healed and met with. It's all of us. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. I believe pain can be an indicator. Pain can be a teacher if we allow it to be. We should only live in pain long enough to discover what it is, what the root of it is, and then we should put a cure to it. But how? I think a lot of times we come in this room and we, we hear scriptures and we hear biblical principles and we're like, that's great. But when we leave the room, we miss the how. How do we actually put something to this talk? How do we actually put forgiveness to practice? We say things like, I'll nail it to the cross. I'll give it to God. That's great. Those are great things. But practically speaking, what are we doing to actually do that? So here's four things that, that I dug up that hopefully can help us. And I think Mark's going to put the first one up there for us. Number one thing, if you have pain, just acknowledge it. Stop trying to stuff it down. It will resurface one way or another probably more in a negative connotation than positive. If you have pain, just, just call it what it is. Look at that pain as a gift. What? A gift. It's a gift. Nobody wants to stay in pain. Like I said, we don't want to stuff it down. And time doesn't heal pain. That is a big lie. If time healed pain, we would just forget all about why we're in the state we're in. After all that time goes by, we would forget the state we're in and why we've become the way we are because of that pain. The pain that's deep-rooted inside, it can show up, can manifest itself. But why is it in there? Let pain come to the surface. We need to allow ourselves to mourn. When you have a death in your family, you don't just, you know, go back to work the next day. You take some time to mourn. 
you take some time to acknowledge the person that was alive and the memories that they had in your life. It's a process that you're working through. So admit that you are in pain. And then we need to get to a healthy space that we can allow ourselves time to process pain. That can be a great start to forgiveness and possibly even to reconciliation because that's where the Spirit of God wants us to be, is reconciled with Him and reconciled with each other. Number two, second step towards forgiveness that we can really practically put into practice is just focus on one pain at a time. Chances are, if you have pain, if you walked in here today with some pain, you probably have more than one. More than one time somebody wounded you. More than one time you, you had hurt come into your life. But I just want to encourage you to process pain one pain at a time. Don't overload the system. You can't get anything done when you try to get everything done. When you try to deal with it all at once. Another thing that I think can help us in this particular focus point is to journal it out. We're all on screens 24-7. We're all typing and texting, and a lot of our pain probably gets released out into the world. But if we process that pain in a safe place, in a healthy place, where we can journal or type, I think that could be a huge help. Because telling your story to yourself, I think, can be a very positive thing. And this might look very, very messy at first. Your journals might look like a wreck. And that's okay. It's okay. Because God wants to help process through that. But be honest. If we're not being honest with ourselves about our own pain, we're missing it. God wants to heal it. He wants us to process that. So one pain at a time. The third thing that I think we can practically work on and through this process is find a theme. Like, what does that mean? Ask God what the root cause is of your pain. Chances are there's the pain that you're feeling is just a symptom of an actual root cause of something that happened to you something someone said to you or did to you. So ask God, why am I feeling this way? Why do I need to see this pain? What's the finalization point of all this? I was counseling a guy through a porn addiction one time. And he had dealt with this porn addiction for over 30 years. And he had hurt his family in the process. He had wounded his wife and his kids. He just made a mess of his life. But he wanted to repent and he wanted to reconcile and he wanted to get things better. And when he came in my office, we started processing through this pain that he was feeling, the pain that he had caused others. And the porn addiction was actually a symptom of a root cause of some abandonment that he was feeling in his childhood. Now that's just one example you could have a million examples of that. But every processed memory is a step towards forgiveness. The fourth thing 
And this is one of those easy, said, hard to do things, is find compassion. I want you to close your eyes for a second. I want you to visualize a person that has hurt you. Maybe they've passed away, but the memory of that pain, of that hurt is right there with you. Just, just picture their face for a second. Just stay with me. I want you to pray and ask God how he sees that person. God, just reach into our souls and help us see people how you see them. That person that caused you pain, God sees them with compassion. You can open your eyes now. There's so many accounts in the Bible when Jesus addressed crowds, or he did a healing, or he spoke forgiveness to someone, and the word compassion was used, and he had compassion on them. That's a hard thing to do. But I believe we're being called to do that. So those were some of the practical hows about forgiveness. Now I want to talk a little bit about the whys. Why do we need forgiveness? Number one, if we're not forgiven, we're separated from God. We're separated from a place where Christ wants us to be. He wants us to be abiding in him. He wants us to be remaining in him. And if we're not forgiven, we can't be in that place. Why do we need to forgive others? <laughs> Walking in unforgiveness can really alter our life. When we read Matthew 6.14 at the beginning of this talk, if you go on to verse 15, it says, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Ouch. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's not ours. If we aren't forgiving others, we're possibly being held in a prison of pain. We're allowing their actions to control our behavior even if they didn't mean to hurt or offend us. And when we forgive them, we are surrendering our right to get even. There is absolutely no justice in a broken life. Justice is not found in revenge. It's found in forgiveness. That verse about vengeance is mine, says the Lord, he's got that part of it taken care of. He doesn't need our help on that. We know we have truly forgiven another when we no longer desire to see that person who wronged us to be in pain. Yeah, but isn't God the God of justice? He is. And he will take care of it in his timing. That verse that I keep referring to is, the Lord is a jealous and avenging God the Lord takes vengeance and is filled with wrath. Is that the song we sang this morning? Your wrath is enough. Your wrath is enough. No, of course not. Your wrath is amazing, steady and unchanging. No, we don't sing about the wrath of God. We like to sing about his love and his grace and his mercy. 
and his reconciliation. And verse 3 of that says, The Lord takes vengeance on his foes and vents his wrath against his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. And the Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. It's not our job to get justice. It's not our job to get even. We're called to forgive. One more verse for you. Throw that up there, Mark, if you would. Here's our challenge. Here's our call. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Just like the paralyzed man in Luke 5, just like the sinful woman in, in Luke chapter 7, we have all been offered this gift of forgiveness. We can either accept it or reject it. I don't want anyone to leave here today unless you know that you are truly forgiven. Jesus died a brutal death on the cross so that we could walk in that forgiveness and we could be reconciled with him. Some of you today have made that choice to be baptized. That is so awesome. You're making a public declaration today that you're a follower of Jesus. You're making a public declaration that, that you're forgiven. You're actually taking the next step into reconciliation with God. And that is so awesome. When you go down in the water today, for those of you that are getting baptized, when you go down in the water, you're going down the old person, but you're coming up as the new person. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. Let's stand up together. I know that probably isn't the most popular thing to talk about and to hear. And you might say, oh, that's great. You can stand up there on your fancy pod and your fancy microphone and preach to us about forgiveness. But I'm going to tell you something. Anybody that stands up here and delivers a message, God will challenge them to the core on what they're going to talk about. And God challenged me this week to make some phone calls to talk to some, some of my old supervisors, some of my old bosses that I haven't talked to in years. And I just said, I want to make sure that the air is clear. I want to offer forgiveness. I want to apologize to you if I've hurt you in any way. So yes, this is a hard topic to talk about, but it's very challenging to us. I want us to walk out here today with a better understanding of forgiveness. The how, the what, and the why of all of it. Let me pray for you real quick, and then we'll give some instructions on the baptism. God, we thank you. We thank you for the work you did on the cross for us. God, that example of laying down your life, just that act of love that you did so that we could be forgiven. 
God, there's no requirement. You're just, you took a great risk when you offered that forgiveness to us. So we first of all just thank you for that. God, challenge us this week. Bring us to a place where we are forgiven. We can forgive others. We can process our own pain and hurt. And we can be reconciled with you. We thank you for your word, God, and what it means to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So give us about 10 minutes. Um, For those of you that are being baptized today, um, go ahead and change your clothes. Um, If you want to witness the baptisms today, you can come up to the balcony here. Um, For those of you that need to go, you are dismissed.